This is the Financial Tech Podcast show number eight for August 2nd, 2011. I am your host, Jim Collison, and we are live today in the Gallup Studios. I'm here with my good friend, Andrew Hunt. Andrew, how are you this afternoon? I am very well. It is good to see. It's been three or four weeks since we've put a podcast together and, uh, and lots of things have happened. Uh, but before we jump into the show, I want to remind folks that if they want to contact us, they got ideas for the show, things they'd like to hear from us, just send us an email, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. I do get those from time to time. I like to read them on the show, and uh, we like to get your feedback good. We don't really like the bad stuff, though, right? Right. Only write good things, if possible. Yeah, just good stuff. That's all we really want. Um, also want to remind folks, if they want to follow me or know when the various uh, shows are going out or going live, you can you can do that on Twitter, at Jay Collison. And you can also find us on Facebook. We have a brand new kind of Facebook page going on. Just search for The Average Guy Podcast, and I post each of the shows as they come out there right on the site. Uh, also, you know, we don't really have a forums on The Average Guy site, so if you want to come out and interact with each of the podcasts, leave some comments, you can do that on the site at TheAverageGuy.tv. But really, Facebook's a lot easier. You can just come out. Join us in the Average Guy um, podcast site, and then you can make all the comments you want. And we want those to be good comments. Right? Facebook's taking over the world. It really is. <laughs> it's an amazing technology. And, uh, and, and so it's, we're, we're, we're trying to take advantage of something that's already there and not reinvent the wheel from a podcasting perspective. So um, check us out. Check all those things out. We've, uh, if you're listening to the Financial Tech Podcast and you haven't listened to any of the other ones, we, of course, we do a home tech podcast each and every week, a bunch of technology guys. If you struggle with technology, most people do. You can take a, take a listen on that. Oftentimes, we cover very helpful average guy advice for people who struggle or are even if you're into technology. Um, it's a good podcast to listen to. And then my friend Jamie Eichmeyer, uh, we are over at the Fitness Tech Podcast and another one you might just want to pick up. We took a couple weeks off that as well, Andrew. And it's just summertime. Got it is summertime. Time for some vacation. It is just blazing hot. It here, is. Here in Omaha. 115 degrees with the heat index yesterday. That just, that's stupid. And it's like punchy in the face humidity. Yeah. yeah. I was I was in, uh, I was out to see my brother-in-law in a little town called Camarillo, California. Okay. And it was about 80 degrees with a 0% humidity. Uh, just gorgeous. You know, nice ocean breezes and gorgeous weather. And they were actually apologizing to me because they thought it was so hot. And uh, <laughs> you're like, you have no idea. Right. Yeah. I live in hell. Yeah. Come to Omaha. It's like a, it's like a blast. For right. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Satan comes here for a vacation. Yeah. It's, uh, it is it, it, with those heat indexes reaching the levels that they do reach. It uh, gets pretty insane. We've been out running in it. That's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's pretty brutal. You lose a lot of fluids very, very quickly. If you yeah. want to know how to do that, just head over to the, do the fitness tech podcast. We talk <laughs> a little bit about that, but it is, it is kind of nuts. So Andrew, it's been warm. Uh, the fall is coming, though, and That's right. and uh, and so we are looking forward to some cooler weather. That's right, and uh, and and hopefully that will come uh, sometime soon. You know, a lot of folks in their financial uh, environment uh, they they go through seasons as well, That's right? right. And, and and maybe when they're young, they're trying to earn as much money as they can and move up. Uh, in their middle years, they're trying to just kind of maintain that wealth and save some. In their later years, they're trying to play catch up, right? Right. And we always go. We always compare ourselves to the Joneses, right? We're trying right. to keep up. What does that mean, Andrew? I mean, what does keeping up with the Joneses really mean? And what's that look like to you? That's a great question, Jim. And I loved how you talked about seasons because kind of being in the business that we're in down at uh, Gallup Federal Credit Union and Guide Rock Capital Management, we really get to see human behavior at its finest and at its at its worst. 
And uh, one thing we notice, you know, there's, you know, financial management uh, goes in trends with parts of the year, right? So the obvious one is at the beginning of the year, everybody's talking about New Year's resolutions. This year, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do a budget this year or whatever. Well, it's about this time of year, you know, tail into summer, um, August, September, that I kind of think of as the barren wasteland of despair. <laughs> for, All the bills have that's come right. due. That's right. Nothing you've lost worked. the energy from the beginning of the year. Right. Uh, you know, maybe you've racked up a little consumer debt on vacations. Not quite as bad as Christmas will be for some people. But you're just kind of in that point where it's like, ugh. I know I feel that way. Right. It's just kind of, ugh. Yeah. And so we have a tendency to want to compare ourselves, just like you talked about, and keep up with the Joneses. And there is a fantastic article um, out there today. It's, it's, it was on August 1st. It's called uh, How to Avoid Money Envy from U.S. News and World Report, uh, published by Kimberly Palmer. It was, uh, it's a really great article, and we'll put the link out in the show notes so you guys can all go check it out. But basically it was discussing uh, a woman who, who wrote a book um, called Green with Envy, A Whole New Way to Look at uh, Financial Unhappiness. And uh, basically about why is it that we try and compare ourselves and keep up with the Joneses, keep up with our neighbor, uh, maybe it's the Smith, the Robinsons, whoever, just trying to keep up with the guy next door on, uh, on our perceptions of how they handle money. It's, uh, it's kind of a unique phenomenon. And, and the, I guess the interesting thing is, is that the Joneses don't really exist, right? I mean, it's not a real, it's you're comparing yourself to this average or maybe above average ideal that doesn't exist and has high standards that you sometimes can't necessarily achieve, right? I mean, right. the Joneses do it perfectly because they don't exist. Right. Or worse yet, maybe you see your neighbor next door who's got the brand new car and is always coming back from some fabulous, fabulous vacation and is in the most trendy clothes. And you just think, man, they've got it all together. They must never worry about money. That's the other side of the Joneses, right? There's the Joneses you make up in your head. And then there's the people that you perceive have it all put together. You know, there's kind of kind of two people we compare ourselves to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you don't know the problems. You don't know... What's going on? Unless you know them well. And then if you know them well, they're no longer the Joneses, right? Because you that's you, right. You know them. You're like, oh, they're just like me. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today is, um, you know, why are we comparing ourselves to the, these people? And it's kind of it's almost a psychological or philosophical question that I think a lot about in, in my work and personally uh, just curious as to, you know, why do we have that natural inclination to uh, to compare ourselves and try and always one up or be better or uh, make more money. Uh, Ronnie Miller, president of Gallup Federal Credit Union, tells a fantastic story about his brother, uh, Dave. And Dave, if you're listening to this, just know that Ronnie tells stories about you all the time. Uh, so apparently Ronnie and, and, and Dave talk all the time. And, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, uh, Ronnie was talking to, to Dave and Dave said, Ronnie, I made, let's just call it $50,000 this year. And I know that if I could just make $60,000 next year, I'd be set. I'd have it made. I would be able to save more, do more. I would, my life would be just so much better. And then about a year, maybe two years later, same conversation. Ronnie and Dave are talking. And Dave says, Ronnie, I made $60,000 this year. If I could just make $70,000, then I'd be set. I know I'd have it figured out. My life would be perfect. <laughs> I'd be able to save that much right. more. And it's, and it's that rat race, right? We've all done it. We all know when the annual review time is coming around, when we're thinking about you know, how much we value the work that we're doing, what we think we're worth, we start thinking about 
what should I be making? What could I be making? And, and how much better will life be when I make that kind of money? Yeah. And sometimes we even plan for that in advance. You know, we start, we start looking for that money, um, before it even gets there. And, and then we spend it, uh, we build it into our budgets and we spend it before it, it even hits. And so you've made that extra, but you've already got it spent, right? Right. Exactly. And so you basically end up living outside of your means. And so really the question is, how do you become satisfied while living with inside of your means? How do you kind of live a, a purposeful life where you're, you're satisfied with what you have and you're really making the most of it? And that's really kind of the trick to all this question is, is really finding satisfaction with the things you already have and the, the resources you have readily available to you today. Um, because we have that intrinsic need to compete and things like that, it kind of becomes a tricky thing to do. Yeah, let me ask you about that real quick. So this intrinsic need to compete, do you think that it's stronger in, in, a, in a culture where capitalism is as worshipped as it is here in the United States? Or is, our, or is that just a basic survival, you know, to survive, right? Darwinianism uh, in full force to survive, you have to be competitive. And so that competition is bred into us always to compare ourselves to other people. What do you think? Well, that's a really provocative thought. You know, I think... Um, I think that kind of the evolution piece is inherent in everything that we do, right? To a certain point, you have to have a certain amount of money to to live, right? Because you have to buy food, you have to put shelter over your head. That's just part of uh, living in America. We don't we're not on the barter system, so you 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 have to have a certain amount of money in order to live. So in that respect, yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of <laughs> Darwinism if, in it, if you will. But then from there, that drive for constant competition, when you already have enough for the basics, I think is really, uh, you know, speaks to our culture as, as, as a race, as Americans, um, because I think you might find in other cultures outside of the U.S., um, I'm thinking specifically of, you know, Asia, places like that, uh, where they focus a lot on savings and, and generational uh, communal living and things like that. It's just not quite the same um, culture focus that we have here of, of beating the guy next to you. It's, it's, it's a little bit different. From a spending standpoint, do you think, you know, w- w- technology, and since we're the, the financial tech podcast, uh, mm-hmm. let me bring up a little bit of technology. Do you think there's also a drive in our consumer market to now replace uh, its cell phone consistency? So hmm. every 18 months, I am turning things over. Right. Um, you know, I've got to have the latest iPad. I've got to have the right cell phone. I need to upgrade my computer. Um, I need to have a car that has, you know, a navigate built-in navigation oh, yeah. with Bluetooth and a hard drive. Um, do you think there's a little bit of marketing behind this idea of keeping up with the Joneses that, that really, in, at least in, in the United States, I, I haven't lived in another culture for at least 25 years, but at least here in the United States is driving that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, we are a consumption economy. Uh, you know, the, the wealth of America was built on uh, having the bigger and better thing. And I think we're starting to see some of those repercu- repercussions right now of, you know, at some point you just can't keep consuming yeah. and, and, and driving this giant <laughs> ugly right. beast right. <laughs> in terms of uh, constantly needing the, the bigger and better things. And I think part of this thing that, uh, that drives that is, uh, you know, we tend to, when we look at other people, we tend to overestimate 
um, their financial position, right? So we we assume people make more than they do. That's just something inherent that we <laughs> that we think for most of us. We assume people's incomes are greater. We assume that they they have the cash or that their savings is higher than it is, and we automatically assume that Joe Schmo is better than we are. We just have these kind of built-in assumptions where we say, you know, these people that we're looking at, our neighbors, the Joneses or or the Smiths or the Robinsons or whoever, are better than us. And it's just something we impose on them. And that's something we have to change in our own mindset because odds are it's not true. Let me let me share with you this, yeah, this one thing. Yeah, do that. Um, so working in the financial services business for six or seven years, you get a chance to really start to see people's financial moves, right? So um, you get you get the benefit of seeing really fantastic savers and uh, people that are making great financial decisions, and you also get the benefit of watching people make horrible decisions. And one of the things that I started doing is I started noticing really nice cars. Now I'm not a, a huge car junkie, but I can appreciate nice automobiles. And, uh, you know, so whenever I had the chance to finance a cool car or, um, you know, just started to keep my ears perked up about how much cars cost and things like that, I started to realize when we were driving around town and seeing these giant land yachts or (laughs) really nice luxury import cars, I started to realize that the loans I was doing um, for those really expensive cars typically were less advantageous than the loans for the average car, right? And there's a really great author out there. His name's Tom Stanley, Dr. Tom Stanley. He wrote a little book called The Millionaire Next Door. And he also wrote a fantastic book called Stop Acting Rich. And basically what he's done, and I've seen it in real life on the financing end of things, is he started to profile millionaires. And I think I've mentioned him on this show before. Um, But basically what he found out is that the average millionaire doesn't drive the brand new land yacht. They don't drive the luxury import car. Typically, they drive a three-year-old or older domestic vehicle, something used, usually less than $25,000, and is typically paid for in cash. And so I started to realize that just because somebody was driving a really nice car didn't necessarily mean that they had made it. In fact, it probably meant that they borrowed a lot to do it. Yeah, they're kind of living on borrowed time, right? That's right. From that standpoint. Larry Burkett, who uh, I've listened to for years, he, he passed away a few years back. But he used to say that individuals, especially with their vehicles, would try to compensate for the, the, the inadequate feelings on the inside. So if they're not as comfortable with the income that they're making, if they're not feeling good about you know their savings account, if they're not, those kinds of things, if they're feeling inadequate, they would often manifest that feeling in the, in the purchase of a vehicle because they could, they could kind of manufacture a class change with the purchase of a car. And so I I think you're a little bit right in there in that uh, oftentimes, I I know when I was younger, I was very enticed to try and up my my social status by getting into a vehicle. And and our systems made that very easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. So with with the loan system the way it is, I can get out of my class, so to speak, and my financial class and move up uh, and put myself maybe in a bind. Yeah. In the process of doing it. so Well, because the sales guy just sells you a couple hundred dollars a month right. uh, more payment, right? right. right. <laughs> o- yeah. Over 70 months or 72 months or whatever. 
So looking at what, what you're saying in all this, and we're chastising a little bit here, but what you're saying in all this is just looking at your neighbor's stuff is not necessarily an indication of where they are financially. Absolutely. And so if you're trying to compare yourself to your neighbors, you may not have the complete story, right? Absolutely. And so you might be trying to search for something or find something that's just not necessarily that you need to. Right. right. So if if that, if that leads to, to, to dissatisfaction, right, if I'm not satisfied with my current life, Andrew, what, what, what do I need to do? What are, what are some tips for me, for the average guy to find? You know, I think we all are looking for some satisfaction, especially in the area of finances. I know uh, when I saved my first $10,000, that was very satisfying. Oh, yeah. And I set a goal for the next 100 Right. Right. And, uh, and so that's, that, that brings me some satisfaction. What are some tips that you have that, uh, that might help me find that? Well, that's, I mean, that's perfect, Jim. You know, the thing is, a lot of this has to do with perceptions, right? So we've imposed these perceptions on people. And really, I think one of the best solutions is uh, to start a conversation around it. You probably want to start with your family, right? Uh, you know, maybe a, a lot of the ways we handle money stems from the way we saw our parents handle money. And so it might make sense to talk with mom and dad. Um, it might be a tough conversation to have, but I think it'd be really valuable. Learn about your family's financial background and your family's history. And then if you're really brave and have some close relationships, maybe start talking to your friends about it. Find out what it, how they're living their lives and uh, especially with their finances and things like that and really foster conversation. Because trust me, if you have questions about your friends or family, they have questions about you too and they would love to talk about it. And that's a pretty uncomfortable conversation for, for some families, right? I mean, they just don't talk about, they just don't talk about money. And Absolutely. so if, if it's not with your family, maybe a trusted advisor, maybe somebody at the bank that uh, that you you're, you have your checking account at, yeah. a friend, somebody at church who's who does finances, um an open conversation, right? And and to get some a realistic expectation of probably where you should be at. You know, I've got a story when I was um oh, I was young in my tw- maybe 21, 22. And we were in the military, and we were just dirt poor. And and I tried I was trying to buy up, right? Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I, I was meeting with a group uh, every Saturday. I'd meet with this group of small guy, or small small group of guys, and I was at a group of small guys. <laughs> Probably wouldn't appreciate that. But um, so one Saturday morning, we were all talking. I said, "Yeah, I'm looking at buying this. Fill in the name of the car that I probably shouldn't have bought." And these guys knew I was getting out of the military soon. I'd be moving out to here, out to Nebraska, and we'd be starting over basically. And mm-hmm. so after the meeting, one of the guys pulled me aside. <laughs> he said, "He was like Jim." I really don't think you should do something like that. That's and and I'm not just saying that because I don't want you to have it. And actually, at the time he gave me Larry Bruchette's book, that was a book that kind of changed my my financial life at sure. that point. Um, but he had enough concern to to kind of seek me out and say, I don't think what you're going to do is going to be a great move for wow. you. And actually, in the end, I ended up keeping the car that I had. I ended up paying it off the the week we got here to Nebraska and. For a short period of time, I was completely debt-free wow. when we moved here. So that was, uh, you know, it took me about a year to get everything paid off and, and, and get here. But that that family, that friend approached me, and I, I can't emphasize enough people reaching out to, to whatever support network you have and, and finding someone that can help you be realistic about your finances. Absolutely. And like you mentioned, talking about finances is super taboo, right? It's just something, again, and a part of our culture that we don't do. And, and I think, you know, just like weight loss, you know, when, when you're able to talk with a, a support group or a group of friends or family about your weight loss goals, you're more likely to do it. Same thing with personal finance. And really, if you're able to have open 
conversation about weight loss, then you kind of know what's realistic, right? You wouldn't go uh, to your personal trainer and say, I want to lose 40 pounds in the next six months. Um, you know, that's probably not a really great goal to get started on, especially if you're just getting started exercising. Right. Right. So he's going to help you set realistic goals based on the experience he's had with other people. Same thing with personal finance. It, it just makes sense to kind of start that conversation. And really, it helps you to become a realist. And that's what this is all about. You know, we had one uh, listener write in and we were talking about saving. I think it was an episode we talked about saving 16% of your income for retirement. And he basically said, hey, guys, is that real? You know, because really, wouldn't it be better for people just start saving. And, uh, you know, that is a great point. And we, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I think this comes back to uh, this very conversation of keeping up with the Joneses. Saving 16% is awesome, but you need to be a realist and, and come down to what you can achieve. Ryan Wolf, the personal trainer here at Gallup, uh, talks about working out and he says, the best workout plan is the one you complete. And it's the same thing with savings yeah, right and on. setting goals. Right on. The best saving you can do is the saving that you do. <laughs> yeah. 16% is a great goal, but. Yeah, because 2% is better than zero. That's right. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's not better than 16, right. but it's better than zero. That's right. Yeah. And that's, that's a challenging quote that Ryan said to us at one point, And I've kind of carried that with me. And I think it's really valuable, especially when you start thinking about this. Um, you know, keeping up with your neighbors, <laughs> uh, making positive changes in any form are really good. And then the last thing that I would suggest in terms of uh, ways to find satisfaction within your means is to try saving first and then spending. So often in our consumer-driven culture, uh, do we see the thing we've got to have and go ahead and buy it on credit today because it's just so easy. But I tell you what, guys, I, my wife and I started doing this about five years ago, um, setting goals for things we wanted, saving, and then go buying it. And that is so satisfying. There is just something about taking a trip or a vacation and paying for it in cash and coming home with no incurred debt that makes it feel so much better than having done it on credit cards or buying that new big screen TV. Uh, you know, you could put it on Costco credit or <laughs> or Sears credit or wherever you're going, but if you pay for it in cash, man, that TV looks a little bit brighter. looks a little bit sharper. <laughs> Not so much buyer's remorse or guilt right. when you're done either. It's like, because you get that shiny thing in and then it gets a couple fingerprints on it. And yeah. you're, you haven't even made a payment yet. That's and you're right. like, oh, well, okay, so what's next? Right. Right. I put myself on a technology budget, actually, which is zero. Um, and not exactly zero, but pretty darn close. And 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 one of the things I've said is, you know what, I'm not going to spend on technology until I make money in this area, right? There until I see, I've, I've, you know, with the podcasting and stuff, there's some opportunities to generate a little revenue through ads and some of those kinds of things. And so, you know, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to hold uh, everywhere I can, unless I, and I need to upgrade for some kind of reason, but I'm going to hold my technology purchases until this business or whatever begins to generate some income for me. And that'll be what I'll spend out of my technology budget. And, you know, so far so good. I, it's really halted. You know, last year I probably spent a thousand, twelve hundred bucks on technology purchases throughout the year. This year it's been uh, close to zero, and I've really kind of learned, uh, okay, how do I need to use technology to make it work for me and not spend more? I've been shifting things around. I've been, you know, I needed some test equipment uh, for some of the other podcasts that I do. Well, I created a virtualized uh, uh, server for that so that I could use existing equipment that I had. When I'd put those barriers in there to say I'm not going to spend until X, 
uh, it really changed the game for me. So oh, it, yeah. it gave me some, you know, and you got to be realistic about that. There's, you know, I needed this or that or just a little bit of this. But as far as new equipment goes, I'm trying to hold to that. Don't spend until I've made in that area. And that's that's been good. That's, that's slowing me down a little bit. Andrew, there's a... Um, We've got a Dave Ramsey class coming up, right? A financial peace That's class right. here at Gallup. And, and some folks that uh, listen, listen all over the world. And, and so that, of course, they can't attend. But any Gallup listeners, um, that, that course, uh, Dave does that um, all over the United States through video and some of those other things. Is that not a great opportunity for folks, for folks to get realistic about their finances as well? We went through that yeah. last time. Great program if you, if you haven't done that yet. And the cool thing about Financial Peace University is that no matter where you're at, it really kind of provides a great kick in the pants to jumpstart you back on your journey. Uh, you know, we've all heard tips and read articles and things like that, but Financial Peace University is a great 13-week um, course that will give you the tools you need and also the inspiration. Um, it's for anybody on the spectrum, whether you're completely suffering or whether you're thriving financially. And it starts here uh, at the Riverfront on August 22nd. It's going to be every Monday night for 13 weeks. I'll be there. Uh, we've got a couple people already signed up. And if you're interested, I'd love for you to reach out. I'll send you a little preview. And uh, you know, and if you're not in the Omaha area, we'll shoot, reach out anyways, and I'll give you a link to be able to find a class that you're interested in. And if you're not listening, yeah, DaveRamsey.com as well if you want to get some some more information on that. Yeah. And so, you know, guys, the big thing about keeping up with the Joneses is, you know, in the summer heat, we're getting beaten down and going, uh, and so, you know, I get that way too. And so what are, what are the websites I go to? What are some of the resources that you can go to to energize yourself, get some more information on this? Well, of course, you can always go to our blog, which is uh, gallopfcu.blogspot.com. Uh, or you can check out one of these couple blogs, uh, getrichslowly.org uh, from J.D. Get Roth. Rich Slowly? Yeah. Come on. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. He's got some great tips. He's, got, he's a great writer. Uh, Tom Stanley, the, the author of... Uh, uh, stop acting rich and start acting like a real millionaire. Uh, great book. He's got a great blog too. It's uh, thomasjstanley.com. And then uh, the PF blog, personal finance blog. This is a really cool blog uh, that a guy started back in 2003, one of the very first personal finance blogs. And he uh, chronicled his journey to a million dollars and he made it. And so he's now chronicling his journey to $3 million. And it's really, wow. really interesting. If you want a, a vision into somebody that you should try and keep up with. Uh, PF blog is a great spot because he discloses all of his financial information. You can dig in and see exactly what he's doing. Crazy. It's a great place to compare yourself and challenge yourself. How old is he and how far along? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's only, I think he's 34. So wow. yeah, he's, he's I'm very little, inspiring. I'm a little behind. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some catching up to do. You and I have sat down just so folks know you and I have sat down and, uh, we call it a world domination plan. That's right. Um, but you know, Andrew kind of holds me accountable for my own finances. And so I'm, I'm not just, we're not just saying these things, actually kind of practicing what I preach. You've, uh, you've looked at my stuff and said, well, Jim, if you want to be where you want to be, I'm going to need you to make these changes here. And, and so you're helping me along, uh, get to that spot where I want to be Absolutely. 25, 30 years from now. And it's attainable. Keep fighting the good fight, Jim. It is. <laughs> well, you know, keeping up with the Joneses can be tough. We want to encourage you not to, uh, not to run that rat race. Although, comparing yourself to your goals is a great idea. That's right. And so set some goals. Be afraid. Uh, and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail them. I, I, I think so often we're so afraid of failure. We live in a culture that's so failure adverse. Um, you never know what you can do until you set a big goal out there and try it and try to achieve it. A year ago, 
uh, ran a race up a 14,500-foot 14, foot mountain. Started at 10,000 feet, ran to the top. So 4,000 vertical foot climb over 14 miles. You know, that's that's pretty wow. tough, right? Yeah. And it was a huge risk. I, I was in fairly good shape at the time, but I'd never done anything like that before. Never knew I could do it until I tried it. And I absolutely could have failed. Could have, you know what? It would have been okay. I never would have known, though, until I tried. So if you're struggling, if you're if you're afraid to make decisions, if you're just, you know, if you're afraid to fail at your budget, just try it and fail it and get it out of the way. That's right. Get failure out of the way at that point. Do it, fail it, and then try something different. Uh, do it until you find the thing that works for you. Get moving. Let today be the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to fail a couple times before I succeed. And that's that's okay. That's okay. It's good stuff. Anything else, Andrew? No, I mean, just foster that conversation, guys. I think you're going to find a lot of liberty and a lot of excitement when you start talking about this stuff with your loved ones and your friends. Um, I have a group of guys that I graduated college with that we get together every week and we talk about this stuff all the time. And it really spurs us on uh, to, like I said, fight the good fight and uh, keep your head in the game. And uh, and also remember, guys, there's more to life than money. Uh, there's more to life than accumulating stuff. So get out there, find satisfaction within your current means, and, and, and get on with living your life. Rock on. Good. Well, I'll remind folks, if they want to contact the show, they can send us a email, podcast at TV. We are on Facebook, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show. Just search for The Average Guy Podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. We'll have all that information in the show notes. Just go over to theaverageguy.tv and uh, you can get the links that Andrew mentioned. Well, Andrew, we'll do it all over again in a couple of weeks. The two or three weeks seems to be a good pattern for us. There's Every week would maybe be a little much, but uh, every three or four weeks. And so tell your friends, uh, come out to theaverageguy.tv and I'll remind you, we also have a fitness tech and, and home tech podcast available for you as well. Andrew, we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Jim. 